0: Their friends, and welcome back to the new blocks. Today, we're back with another zero X, a week off from being on the road. And next week, there will be another week off of the podcast. So hit or miss, but we're going to keep them timely. We will revert back to the numeric episodic format before too long and sprinkle in some more educational episodes. But today, we're going to talk timely, we're going to talk Shibcoin, and uh, we're just going to catch up a little bit on the other latest. Uh, I was just coming back from Portugal yesterday, I was attending Liz LizCon, so gonna report my uh, my findings there as well. Kevin, welcome back to the new blocks. I always love it when we can find time to connect about the blockchain.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was not able to make it to LizCon. I Loser. had. Uh, I know. Loser. It- I was basically looking at flights and then my dad texted me and was like, hey, I'm getting married. Here's the date. And it was last <sighs> Damn it, pops.
0: All right. Fair enough. Good excuse. Uh, yeah. yeah,
1: valid, but still, still a ton of FOMO feeling from that. Um, but yes, uh, everything that I saw looked pretty awesome. Uh, excited to hear more about it from you. We actually haven't really spoken too much about it prior to the episode.
0: Yeah. uh, Despite catching up, we actually didn't talk about Portugal. It was amazing. It really is a cool place. I've been to Europe a whole bunch, but I've never been to Spain or Portugal. Uh, We did an Axie meetup there, which was really fun. Uh, It was sort of a YOLO 48 hours before. Hey, I'm going to be at this place at this time. We reserved the back area, show up, you know. We'll, we'll have some drinks. We'll talk about access. We had like 40, 50 people show up. And a good chunk actually drove in from Spain, which was cool. Um, and yeah, it was a good time. I, I got to talk to everybody and uh, eat some really great food. Strikingly good food for strikingly low prices. Uh, it's a really cost-effective country. Highly recommend it uh, as a place to vacation. Uh, got to do some nice networking. Uh, I, I met the, I, I don't know if he's like the CEO or he, one of the founders of, uh, of Ember Sword. Uh, Titles and crypto, you know how it goes. But uh, really cool to connect with someone else on uh, the NFT gaming side of things. Uh, I did a panel on GameFi. I think it was streamed uh, somewhere live from the conference, but uh, it was with that Ember Sword guy. We had a, a moderator that I forget what exactly what his credentials were. And then we had an investor who had invested in a bunch of different GameFi aspects of the ecosystem. So it was a pretty cool panel. Um, it's still a little weird for me, though, man. I have to admit, coming from. You know, I've switched games before and it's always the same feeling where you're kind of this fish out of water and you know of some of the people there but nobody knows you and it's kind of hard to to connect but I've been in Dota for so long I'm used to going to events where I know literally everybody, you know, nobody's a stranger because I've just been to so many with so many different combinations of people and I show up, you know, you take the cab, you don't really know where you are, you follow the signs, LizCon, 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 it's in this old like it's hard to explain everything in Portugal. Like all the buildings are old. There's all this crazy infrastructure, but there's all this technology in it. So it's like this old warehouse with like stained glass. It almost has like a church cathedral feel, but then there's like a stage and a a projector and all these cameras and, you know, fiber cables and all this kind of stuff. So, um, Pretty cool vibe, pretty fun panel. And uh, yeah, I wandered around alone for 45 minutes and then I bumped into the people on the panel and we started chatting. And once people realized I was the Axie guy, there was kind of like a queue queue of people to talk to me. So that was really reassuring. I should have just worn an Axie shirt. And I I think uh, there would have been plenty of people to engage with. So lesson learned on that one, my friend. Sure. Yeah, I was
1: chatting with my manager earlier today. She went to Liz Khan and I think maybe a little bit of uh, Eth Lisbon. Mm-hmm. She was saying it, it reminded me of the conversation that we had um, about just when you go to a conference, you can kind of like everyone around you, you're you're in the same like level playing field of knowledge, like within the industry, mm-hmm. um, when you're used to sort of the normal world life where you go and you talk to people about what you do for work, you got to go through the whole spiel of, of blockchains and all that stuff. And, you know, half of people eyes glaze over <laughs> um, it, when it comes to going to a, cr- a conference, though, you can just kind of jump in and start talking about
0: whatever. And it's like a right. kind of a, a neat bubble to be in. Exactly. No, you're, you're totally right. It's, it's amazing how you can just start engaging with people and start at a very high level, like level three or four instead of, you know, level uh, 0.5 or something. So anyway, was bummed you couldn't make it. But uh, dude, seriously, we, we got to go. We got to at least plan a vacation if it's not around a crypto thing. Um, cheap, amazing. I did drink too much. Alcohol, amazing. They have some of the best wine I've ever had. Unbelievably oh, well. cheap. Uh, yeah, so my- it's hard to avoid, you know
1: my uncle was saying he's considering moving to spain he was saying that people there just drink wine a lot
0: more in general and like
1: the cost of wine is way cheaper did you notice that
0: oh yeah yeah totally food as well like the quality of the food seriously it was really good and strikingly cheap as soon as i came back i bought some garbage in the airport for 20 dollars i mean Uh, When I was, I had to take a walk to get my COVID test to fly home. You know, you need a COVID test to get on the plane. I stopped at just a a little, like, tiny pizza shop type thing Uh, in the middle of the day. I got a personal pizza for three and a half euros, man. It's like four bucks. Uh, It's pretty cheap. A can of soda was, a can of Coke was 65 cents. What? what year is this dude (laughs) that's what i'm saying like it's just it's cheap and it was like a handmade pizza it was pretty good you know and it's like you know there are there are some pricey things Uh, we had uh some seafood at the iconic restaurant ramiro uh very i think anyone that's been there they've probably heard of it it's like a a a famous like local joint and uh dude amazing seafood had a giant lobster you know some clams Mm, good stuff classic classic so, oh, okay. uh, anyway, yeah, the, the, blockchain stuff was good. Uh, mostly talked to game fi though, and talked to people in the event space. So I'm not going to lie, buddy. I don't have any new knowledge to report though. I didn't, I didn't really learn anything. I, uh, I did the teaching at this one, not the, not the learning. I learned more about other games. Mind you, I, we talked about game and I definitely learned stuff there, but, um, you know, not too much outside of, uh, outside of my little bubble.
1: Yeah. I feel like the conferences that I had been to previously, like I'll, I'll try. I'll go to the sort of like workshops. I remember prior to working at the Truffle team, I had gone to their conference called TruffleCon and I sat on a (laughs) couple of their (laughs) workshops um, and like, you know, pulled down the project, like did all the things. And there's only really so much learning that you can do. I mean, hopefully you get in, listen to like a pretty good talk, uh, despite not making it to Lisbon. I did listen to a couple talks, uh, live and then we'll probably, uh, kind of binge a few once they all get uploaded to YouTube. Um, but you know, there's really only so much like knowledge ingestion that you go for. I think Mm -hmm. the other part of it really is just hanging out with people, socializing with like-minded individuals.
0: One anecdote, this will make you laugh. I just remembered. I almost wish I'd told you in the pre-show. So when I checked into my hotel, you know, the concierge, hey, what are you here for? Well, I'm here for work. I work in cryptocurrency. Eyes light up. He goes, I'm one of those, in, you know, and his English is pretty good, but it's a little bit broken. And once he gets excited, it gets a little bit worse, you know, and he's trying to find the words. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people that made money on Dogecoin and Cardano. I, I bought Dogecoin at five cents. And I was like... <laughs> All right, well, that's really exciting. Nice. He was like, well, what do you what do? You do? Uh, tell me about your coin. So I started telling him about Axie and AXS, and I mentioned utility NFTs, and he was making that face and, like, scratching his chin. And that was, I tweeted, uh, like, right after that, like, I'm pretty sure I just talked the concierge into, like, cashing out his Cardano and Dogecoin to buy AXS. <laughs> <laughs> it was, like, talking about staking, you know, the API, uh, APY and that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. But it, it was pretty funny how, like, um, we often talk about the power of memes, and maybe this is a good segue into our topic today uh, with uh, the Shiba coin, Shiba Inu, making oh big boy. strides. Um, and it's like, I, I feel like a, a yo-yo, man. I'm going back and forth where you almost got me believing in the Dogecoin thing of like the power of memes. And even though it's stupid and wasteful as a Bitcoin clone, that's, you know, using mining power through a script and Litecoin miners and stuff like uh, it, it it is kind of cool, but how far does this go? And now we're seeing the Shiba Inu coin, and I wonder, I wonder if this is good. You know, this thing's making big strides in the market. Uh, it's I
1: like you said. I mean, I'm always like it's so conflicted on uh, on stuff like this. So like for context, today it was like a very generally down. Like all the crypto market graphs are red, except for Shiba, and Shiba is just like. 60 percent like 30 percent and then 60 percent up on the day um for a little while it flipped both doge and usdc um which is just like it blows my mind um and uh like i i think the challenge in framing all of this is like even if uh we collectively as a society decide that like memes are valuable and even if we decide that like the the dog memes are valuable <laughs> then we need to like suss out like how how do we compare these memes to each other um i think there's an argument here for like uh SHIB is an erc20 which means that it is secured by the ethereum network which means compared to doge um when you talk about like the crypto economics here um, it would be far easier to go attack the Doge network than it would be to go attack well, so, Sheeb.
0: So let's see. Now, remember, though, Dogecoin does merge mine with Litecoin now. So it, it does. it's not just Dogecoin. So that actually does help its security. But the point is the same, because if you can buy Dogecoin, like their total market cap is what, like 32 billion just amount. And Litecoin is like 12.6. So um, we're still like. Not even close to what the Ethereum ecosystem looks like. That's at 500 billion almost, like 470. Right. right? So, substantially different scale in terms of collaborative, uh, collaborative attacks for like a, a 51, right? That's yeah. what we're talking about. And of course,
1: about. like, you know, valuation go- comes into a lot more than just that. But like, when I compare the differences between SHIB and Doge, like, you're t- that there aren't a lot like it is the same conceptual dog with a different jpeg uh, <laughs> <laughs> it has like different implementations um i saw that is the market cap uh i'm sorry the the actual volume count uh the number of tokens for shib is like already four times that of doge um, so it's one of these things where like the creators of shiba definitely knew what they were doing sort of like um Playing with the human psychology of the fact that even though it went up 60% today, it's still only 0.00007 cents per sheep So, like, why don't I just throw a little bit of money and see what, like, that's that's the thought process that the average yeah. person comes to when they see this. So, you know, it doesn't matter if it's already, like, well overvalued compared to what reality says that it should be. Like, there's the human psychology component to it. And... Yeah, it's, it's complicated. So we're,
0: we're looking at coins right now uh, by market cap. I just pulled it up. So, uh, you know, you got Bitcoin here. Big B, it's over a trillion, you know, 1.1. It's a giant market cap. Ethereum at 500. Then after that, it's uh, the Binance coin at 75. And then sadly, USDT at 69 and Cardano at 65. Yeah. Um, so down we go. Right now, Dogecoin is 10th on the list overall market cap. Shiba Inu right behind it. But as Kevin mentioned earlier today, Shiba actually passed it. And I guess momentarily passed uh, USDC also, which makes me feel weird. And even right now, you can see these numbers like uh, a little bit of green here. But Shiba's up uh, about 200% on the day uh, on the or on the week, rather. I'm sorry, uh, up 70% on the day. So um, yeah, something wild here. And if you look at the circulating supply, you'll see... Uh, now, if you're dyslexic, I apologize. So we've got uh, the hundreds, we've got the thousands, so we've got the millions, we've got the billions, and then that one's going to be the trillions there. We've got about 400 trillion SHIB coins in circulation right now. And, and just for comparison, Doge has 131 billion doge coins in circulation right now so you know we used to look at doge and think man this is ridiculous you know in comparison there's only uh 32 billion usdc out there um doge is ridiculous shiba inu just like doubles down on that concept i mean doubling down this this phrase doesn't even work anymore like quadrupling Kevin, like, down almost like <laughs> quadratically <laughs> down uh, or something <laughs> like this yeah. is it really does fuck with your psychology. I mean, straight up, this is... How, how close is this to predatory marketing, man? I mean, are these the people that are buying like AMC stock that literally think it's going to go to million because they'll have enough squeeze pressure or whatever their fucking stupid theory is? I mean, like what...
1: I, 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 I think the the thing that is like maybe morally challenging for me is like uh, in the crypto world, you will be faced with... Uh, people arguing that all of this stuff is a scam and like in particular a Ponzi scheme and I think I've heard it I've heard it described well that like there are most definitely Ponzi's within crypto like you could probably argue that like upwards of 90% of crypto assets are, are just like some form of a scam some form of a Someone printed a token because they wanted to get rich quick. And Mm -hmm. like there are varying degrees within the spectrum of like, what does it mean to say that like maybe some project like really did have the right intentions and it just didn't pan out. And so like the reality is it's the, the market cap is not going to last all the way down to the, just like full on um, like legitimate, like going out of your way that the bit connects of the world where um, Mm -hmm. it's like a legitimate like Ponzi scheme. Um, I've, I've, Or a differentiator that I think is kind of important within this, um, which is that of a Ponzi scheme and a Ponzi game. And I probably won't describe it as well as um, as I heard it. But a Ponzi scheme (laughs) is typically one where um, there is like there is a, a structure such that someone is capable of pretty much walking away with like most of the money or a large portion of it. Um, Whereas kind of a Ponzi game is this one where like the same general motions uh, are at play where the more people buy it, the more the price goes up, the more people sell it, the more the price goes down. Mm -hmm. But it is structured in such a way and sort of like the ownership is decentralized enough where um you know it it's more broad than that a couple examples here like bitcoin right like that's a thing where you know the 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 entire market uh, moves in these ways like you could even argue then that the stock market is like a ponzi game in that like the more humanity dumps into the stock market like the more the price goes up but like at a certain point we can't continue that growth and then the price yeah. kind of has to come down so okay. I, I think the the differentiator is there's not like a clear line within that um but i i think when it comes to something like shiba um it is like very clearly not attempting to do anything uh conceptually interesting aside from
0: it's just it's dogecoin it's meme value it's yeah it's it's value by memes um i think oh sorry go ahead no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. The, the game versus scheme thing. If I if I can summarize, I I think I can visualize it in my head. I'm curious if you'll agree with this assessment. Um, the scheme is the thing where there isn't actually as much money as they think it is. Like the scheme is fraudulent in nature. Generally, that structure looks like a bunch of people pay, let's say $1,000 or people buy in different shares. The person that runs the scheme takes that money to fake profits to people that invested earlier. So they go, wow, look, I'm getting a 50% return so quickly. These profits are amazing. But they're just taking money that they're getting from new people and paying it out at a crazy high rate that's unsustainable and just reshuffling funds until it's eventually going to go bust because it'll catch up with them where they can't you know, so you're like riding that wave of hype where you're paying people that will basically yeah. market it for you by giving you legitimacy. It's it's a scheme, right? It's robbing
1: Peter to pay Paul, as yes, they say.
0: Yeah. So that is like the original, like Charles Ponzi, the original Ponzi scheme. Like a Ponzi game is more like a pyramid structure, kind of like these MLM um multi-level marketing things where it's it's a game in the sense that it is a system the system is just rigged where it's really top heavy, like a funnel. So you're buying all this product and the people you're buying it from kind of make money. And the people at the top have all these people in their downstream. So that's why the founders are always super rich. And then like, you know, it gets exponentially worse. And eventually the bottom of the pyramid is where everybody gets stuck with all the shit that nobody else wants to buy. Cause there isn't actually a demand for the product. So, but like some people within that system do still actually make money, right? And then there's different variations of that pyramid where it can be like a little more sustainable. And the key is if if it becomes a scam if you're selling a product that's shitty and nobody wants it. But if there is demand for that product, you can structure like the Binance um, referral system kind of had that pyramid type thing where when you refer somebody, you get a kickback of stuff that they, they profits they get or whatever when they cash out or is that how, or when people deposit maybe it's when they, whatever it is, I don't right? Remember. You get yeah. a percentage of something. Um, and then I think it goes down a few layers or um, it's it's pyramid S. So it's very, oh, weird. The, the earnings are good. It, there's a high incentive to refer people. And it's, it's part of why Binance was able to grow so quickly. That I'm explaining very shitty, but is that a good distinction between Ponzi game, Ponzi scheme, or am I Am yeah, no, you're right. Part you, two? you
1: did a better job than I did,
0: I think. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to one up you there, but I, I saw you <laughs> drowning. <laughs> so I wanted to throw you a life raft.
1: Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, yeah. And like, I think it's one of these things where, um, you know, at, people that are outside of crypto see stuff like sheep and they're like, look at this, like, this is very clearly like all this stuff is a scam. And it's just like all Ponzi's all the way down. Uh, and when the value underneath is a meme, And you have to have the conversation that memes can be valuable. Like there's a lot of nuance to that. And so I think a lot of times I'll kind of just throw up my hands and be like, this is why, you know, I'm not particularly interested in like the doge coins or the doggy coins of the world. Um, I think there's, there's a lot more nuance to that conversation when you talk about things like NFTs where um the value is a bit more subjective there's like a lot more things you can do in them and i think you could you could start having like more realistic conversations with crypto pessimists about it mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean again this is a situation where i don't own any shib i as of right now don't have plans to buy any and I will continue
0: to watch absurd well, things like this happen from the sidelines and so just scratch my head. Can um, I hit you with some other no, stats here, bud? Inevitable, please. That, that are really key and I think telling to this story. So um, if you go to Coin Market Cap and you look at holders, I think this is where stats get interesting. Um, because right now, Shiba and Dogecoin, right? They have a, a pretty similar market cap as we talked about. Dogecoin has 4.4 million total addresses. Shiba has 800,000. So, Doge is substantially more distributed. Okay, now let's talk about top 10 holders. For Dogecoin, top 10 holders have 45% of all the Doge in circulation. And that if you recall, when Doge was making its run, was regarded as like absurd. Like, wow, the problem with Doge is that most of it is in the hands of really small people. Now, when we talk about Bitcoin, um, I think there's something more akin to um, like 5% uh, for the top 10%. Is that crazy? I can pull that up while you're looking up, Sheba. Um, okay. Yeah, I think it's uh, in that realm, though. Um, here, I've got it right here. Uh, yeah, 5%. So top 27%. So Bitcoin, you know, we often talk about how it's it's pretty top heavy, uh, very well distributed in comparison to these new ridiculous coins that we're talking about. Uh, and while we're at it, why don't we just go ahead and take a look at Ethereum just to see, um, well, actually, they don't have that same data. There's no holders. Oh, oh my gosh. That's so uh, interesting. Yeah, Ethereum set up differently. All right. So I don't know. I don't know. I guess we could look up how many total Ethereum wallets there are and that would be... Yeah, it's
1: one of, it gets into the weird thing. I mean, yeah. especially even for Bitcoin. Uh, is that Bitcoin really? Bitcoin in particular. Yeah, it's hard to say. Like the it's number weird. of addresses don't equal pl- people, but... Well,
0: so are you ready for SHIB though? You're ready, for, ready yeah. for the big reveal? Top 10 holders for Shiba Inu coin. 72%. 72%. So is, this is an anonymous coin, right? Do we know... Who created this? Is Is it... A real uh, person? Good question actually i don't know i actually don't know that's that's something i wish we had researched or i wish i had asked beforehand but um either way that should tell you something here where if you're riding this wave now um yeah it's really these these people that yes. started it an that an, are getting super rich and an, um, an anonymous person or persons named ryoshi great so ryoshi and, um, now has enough money to uh buy a country because if you look at the percentages, I think it's, what did I say before? It's up 5 million percent just about uh, all time. So Yeah, if, if looking you... at
1: the top one address, it's 0x dead and then a bunch of zeros. And then 42069, 42069 all the way down. I, I That it seems unlikely that someone was able to generate that easily. That's strange to me. I need to think through how that works.
0: Uh-oh engineer kevin he's making that face because well, like, like my understanding is
1: <laughs> no i mean i believe it if it's on coin market cap but the my understanding is like in order to get to an address like that you need to start with like randomized private keys that then output a public address that then output the pu- all right output the public key that then output the public address but i might be confusing this with uh with the way bitcoin set up anyway uh, yeah, this is wild. Another anecdote on this about just like people that own too much uh, <laughs> SHIB. Um, there was a wallet, so I saw this on Twitter, uh, a wallet that bought $8,000 worth of SHIB last August, I guess when it launched. Uh, it is now worth $5.7 billion. So from 8000 to $5.7 with a B in roughly 400
0: days. Right, so... So like s- serious, seriously, I I just had like a Mr. Robot moment here, right? So it- that that's just some random anecdote of some like crazy person that had like way too much money to spend that they put. I mean, that's like a stupid investment, right? Like eight thousand dollars of shit. If you look at its history, yeah, very it was, irresponsible. <laughs> like it was worth like but actually zero from eight one twenty twenty to like four one twenty twenty one. So. You know, buying at like October of 2020 for, you know, thousands of dollars, like Sheepcoin coin was doing volume of like a hundred dollars per day. I mean, this this stuff is ridiculous. It was just a dead coin. There would be no reason uh, to do it. Then all of a sudden you start seeing these big movements um, yeah, but what what does this mean for like the actual like this Ryoshi person? I mean, I guess if they move, like it's worth it's like trying to sell the Mona Lisa, right? Like yeah. moving those tokens, you actually you can't actually cash it out. You would, so,
1: yeah, it would have to be. I, I mean. Can because you? all of this is on chain, and this is like a good thing, people could then see like, okay, so the top owners of Sheeb are now dumping, um, and it depends on like no, how I mean, quick but, they but try to dump. Can
0: they actually dump? I guess so, because I like, don't think this they is di- listed on Coinbase and stuff now, right? This token's well, on exchanges. You could so arbitrage this gets into all over
1: the, the new nu- the nuance here is the difficulty. Yes, you'd have to if if this person wanted to like move a decently large amount of Sheeb, and you know, there's a large amount, f- trillions. Um then they would need to do it, yeah, probably like across exchanges um, and like do it in such a way that, you, you, the idea here is you just don't want to like totally crash the yeah, entire but market but the if they own 70% world,
0: of it and like they don't have all of it in one wallet so like this person's not that stupid right so they don't right. they would have a bunch of like that meme wallet that has most of it but they still have a bunch of other bags that you could totally move around and mix and it's all anonymous anyway and you could totally write a decentralized script that sends it in relatively small amounts to different exchanges and I don't know man is it is it really that impossible if you have if you're the Shiba Inu guy, if you're dank 420, 420, 420 00, <laughs> X69, I mean, come on, man. You, you've got the world by the balls right now. Like, who is that guy? What is that guy doing or that girl doing right now?
1: Uh, buying an airplane and to fly to an island they bought, maybe. But airplane. again, I think... We, yeah, I think with it's we're talking about this money as though it was it's already locked in but you know they need to do something with that like if you own a life changing amount of shiba it doesn't change your life until you sell it uh that's similar so it to really do anything. any other thing
0: that's actually really um, good framing yeah it doesn't yeah but uh i mean it's still like so what does it, it all bizarre. mean man is it real uh, money then there was is, a good... is this sound money kevin <laughs>
1: feels like i'm talking to my, my grandpappy. <laughs> i don't know i don't know i uh i anthony sasana tweeted today uh doge and Sheeb are worth more than all of defi and i hate it <laughs> <laughs> and i hate, I hate it, it. <laughs> because like <sighs> there are genuinely interesting things I, I was getting into a conversation with uh, an old coworker on twitter yesterday Um, someone who was, uh, worked software engineer at a bank, um, for quite a while, has a pretty good understanding of the financial system, um, and is pretty like, uh, like against blockchains and DeFi. I don't think that they have necessarily taken the time to, to know what it means to be against DeFi, because I don't think they've actually used it before. Mm -hmm. I think they kind of see similar to most headlines that say "DeFi," you know people want to commit financial crimes on the most immutable transparent ledger in human history and like that's as far as as you need to go with it but yeah um i, I was in a conversation about this and it's like tough to talk about things like DeFi that are like genuinely groundbreaking um alongside like knowing that they will have very little sort of like passerby experience of it compared to things like Sheeb and doge and like these big headline grabbing like the, the whole top whatever like eight of the ten top ten coin market cap currencies are just like almost garbage right like we still have uh like i i feel as though um, Tether is just like a ticking time bomb. Cardano is this like weird little shit show that um, will someday release smart contracts in some usable capacity. Um, and like you know, you go all the way down. Like Solana uh, has this is its own little situation. XRP. Is like, a yeah. yeah,
0: go ahead. No, I was to say Solana's issue is, is that it's sort of working, but now it's getting completely overrun by bots. And because it's so cheap, it actually makes it easier to run bot scripts that just own all the markets and um, are, are invading the ecosystem in a really gross way. And I don't know how that's going to work for them long term. What is XRP these days? I, I keep hearing about this <laughs> coin. And I, I, somebody told me the other day, be careful. You're really going to rile people's feathers if you talk shit about XRP. <laughs> and I couldn't tell and if so, that was sarcasm or not. Like, I, I just stopped thinking about this crypto, like, years ago, uh, honestly. My very dated understanding of
1: XRP is that they were attempting to, um, they saw what, was happening with bitcoin they saw the potential blockchain knew that it was going to be transformative with money and so they created this crypto uh, that they minted themselves like a massive supply um, and then started selling portions of it to banks and were marketing it as a cross-border payment solution where you know, they would um, work with a bank in one country, work with a bank in the other country. And instead of having to send money through the old financial system, you just go buy XRP and then you can move XRP. So they whatever, want to replace it over the here. Swift
0: code system for wire transfers. That's their stated yeah, goal here. exactly.
1: Okay. But but what happened in the last, I, I don't know, it's probably been over a year at this point, um, is that the SEC sort of saw that pre-mine, saw the fact that they had given themselves the vast majority of the total supply of the coin, right. and said like, whoa, guys you're printing yourself trillions of dollars (laughs) like this this we think this matches a security and so they are i believe still in the process of being sued by the sec um and at that point, when that was announced, most U.S. exchanges delisted XRP, kind of in anticipation that like this is we so want to it So how's its market cap away. so
0: high still? How is it the seventh most popular crypto? This is mind blowing.
1: I think it's still because like the global Binance, uh, not the U.S. specific Binance. You can still buy it through that, um, oh. and you know other countries outside the U.S. You can still buy so it. I'm but... more
0: surprised people are speculating on it still. Why wouldn't you move that? Like you can't DeFi with it or anything, right? There's no. No, like... I mean,
1: there's no no real anything that's so uh, interesting happening here <laughs> yeah and then um, i still
0: don't polka dots number eight i still don't know anything about polka dot i i, I yeah. literally a single thing educate me i okay so I, I have some
1: conversations with my friend who works at uh well Queen kevin Gaze it's an open source sharding
0: multi-chain protocol that doesn't that Whoa. doesn't explain it to you for <laughs> you i mean <laughs> come on it's a sharding multi-chain it's protocol get over it <laughs> Well, fuck you, dude!
1: <laughs> they were the first ones to shard themselves before <laughs> Ethereum could. Okay. Uh, my My impression of this, and again, I spend most of my time learning about the Ethereum space, not so much the Polkadot space. Um, is that they, there's a lot of interesting ideas here. Very, um, very technically minded people are uh, that kind of like go down the little Polkadot rabbit hole, get into it, because architecturally it it uh, did what Ethereum was trying to do in a way that could theoretically then scale longer. Like it saw, it foresaw the sort of like layer two scaling world that we described in our scaling episode. And they anticipated that this would be a challenge. And so they like made some underlying changes that could sort of uh, like re architect it where there's some consideration with that in mind. Um, and it created this whole ecosystem. Well, the problem is that like it's just, hasn't been adopted, right? Like there are some projects that that have decided to like go off the beaten path and head on down to polka dot, but that's just not where anything is happening really, not DeFi or NFTs. Um and so it's one of these things that like as a software engineer, Mm. it's intellectually interesting to me, but as sort of just like someone who is actually watching the space evolve, um, it hasn't really gained anywhere near the network effect. So people, it's just final thought here. People I think the reason why it is as high as it is on the coin market cap list, um, that people see this similar to like Cardano, similar to Solana, as like Hmm. an ETH alternative in case
0: ETH fails, they want to hedge their bets. But its stated goal is not to be a world computer. It sounds like it's trying to be a bridge between all the blockchains, right?
1: Yes, this is where it gets complicated because it can be... So it's trying to be both that, like, and it has this thing where you can like create what they call parachains and like use them what i meant by the like them yeah. seeing the scaling problem it's very focused on blockchain interoperability um and right. so it's it creates this way where like if you wanted to you could either start your blockchain off in polka dot world or you could theoretically like I think I might be misrepresenting this, um, like add your chain to be supported by the Polkadot infrastructure in some way. Isn't
0: just a network of bridges like a simpler and more elegant implementation of this? Like why do you need a parachain to connect all the chains now when you can just bridge shit back and forth?
1: Right. I think that's, like, the the reality of the situation is that when you over-engineer problems... I didn't mean to ruin it. That's my... (laughs) Yeah, or when, like, when (laughs) you can have this, like, really cool over-engineered solution, but if, like, people had already just started building the bridge with, like, sticks and clay, then by the time you're getting... Like any sort of attraction, like the sticks and clay bridge has just been torn down seventy-eight times, and people finally just like you know did all of the work necessary, and like there was enough of a network effects that grew where oh, right. um, the the established player kind of like solved the problems in advance.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, it I might th- be more nuanced than what I'm giving it credit for. It seems like an interesting solution, but the par- I'm re- I'm like reading about this parachain thing while while you're explaining it and. It seems a little uh, o- overly complicated, I guess. Um, yeah, and I don't really uh, like, get where the token ties into it either. Like, you don't need a token for a bridge, so like, what what does the polkadot token actually do? It is like, I guess it's <sighs> governance. That's a big part. Yes, it says it it's here, because so. it's
1: that, and it's like uh, they are already proof of stake, so you can stake the polkadot token. I think. It, oh, so that's to what like,
0: secures the parachains is the staking of the polkadot yes, token. Oh, yes. Okay, all right, okay, that makes sense. I
1: think. That's similar to why Cardano has such a high market cap. Is that like people that wanted early on to like speculate against, uh, or, or you know, hedge against their bets of Ethereum would go ahead and buy Cardano. And oh, look, you can also go earn interest in Cardano. Right. So even like separate from the price action, I can earn more Card- Cardano in the process. I think that's like where you get into the the mentality. Um, it is worth noting both Cardano and Polkadot were created by co-founders of Ethereum that split off from the original project. Now, did they um, split
0: so, off or were they kicked out? Huh? Uh-huh. Well, no, That's uh, part, yeah. part, of, part the, of the story. Yeah, huh? I
1: know the Cardano guy was kicked out. Uh, my understanding, it, I would definitely if, let me if guess. You're he talks like, too much. <laughs> yes. didn't seem like it was that simple. Uh, if you watch any of his videos, you will see that he has a very strong personality. His name is Charles Hoskinson. Um, and he uh, I encourage anyone that's super interested in like Ethereum history to go check out Camilla um, Russo's book, The Infinite Machine. Um, it goes mm-hmm. into some of this. Um, Charles Hoskinson it was and is like very much has a strong personality. Um, And I think just kind of wanted to do it his way. When Vitalik was starting the Ethereum Foundation along with the other co-founders, they kind of had to have the decision about should this be um, a nonprofit organization, the Ethereum Foundation? or should we make this sort of like the google like the um the private company that sort of like builds the thing um and vitalik and sort of most of the co-founders were of the mindset that like for this to work this vision of this kind of like open world computer we do kind of have to this map so much closer to the um to the model of a nonprofit, and that's the route they went and uh, Charles wanted to go the route of be- becoming the privately owned Google of the world, so that's what he did when he ah. created Cardano. He, he like <laughs> I think of Cardano <laughs> oh as God, s- sort of like the the personality cult that surrounds uh, Charles Hoskinson, and like th- it's a big one. Uh, I think I think he draws in some pretty big uh, viewers on YouTube. I don't have any numbers. Well, I
0: mean I had, he's but- a, he's a really good talker. He's a really interesting guy. He's very well rounded and has done a yeah. lot of really objectively cool things when you see his accomplishments and hear him talk, you you naturally have this feeling of like, damn, I kind of want to be this guy. Like, I wish I could live a life that cool. Um, and he's, he's yeah. very convincing. And honestly, he's a very smart individual that really does understand the technical side of blockchain, like to a really, really deep and yeah. well-rounded degree. And that is kind of rare these days. You know, there aren't a lot of those people that can like walk you through every single step of how the blockchain works, all the different levers, and why you have to calibrate them certain ways that you do. But just hearing you say that really cracks me up to think about like, I don't. Know, I had a meeting with somebody in Lisbon who we were talking about. We were joking that we both have iPhones. And he was like, I mean, you, I wouldn't be caught dead with an Android phone these days. Google have been confirmed to be bad actors in the current landscape. I was like, well, are Apple that great? I mean, I think they're just keeping our information safe because they want to be able to leverage it and they understand the value of it. And he's like, well, yeah, totally. They're not altruistic, but they definitely do a better job of keeping it all within the wheelhouse than uh, some of these other platforms. You know, like It's amazing to me how Facebook has this like, oh, I don't trust Facebook with my data. What? But people look at Google and go, I don't mind Google having my data. And it's like, I don't know that they're really that different at the end of the day. right? I think they're both yeah. not good actors. Maybe they're not exactly the same in every regard, but... I don't really think Google is a good actor anymore. Is that even like a hot take? I feel like Google's what our new world is trying to take down, man. Well, I think they summarized it well when they
1: previously had the slogan do no evil. Um, and then they kind of just like deleted that slogan. Um, and that's not to say that like they want to do evil now. Uh, but (laughs) (laughs) it's a
0: funny thing. (laughs) It's a funny thing to
1: remove. Um, I remember there was a uh, I forget which one it was a a blockchain that then took that slogan um, and described it as uh, going from do no evil to can't be evil, which I think does a good job of summarizing sort of like what the blockchain is here for. It's like even if you wanted to, like this is architected in such a way that. You yeah. know, you own your own data, et cetera. Et cetera
0: just et cetera. deleting it kind of virtue signals uh, the like. <laughs> we'll tolerate like, a little evil. Well, uh, it's a, it's a yeah. dash of We're evil. We're open to it. You know? Just a, like, a little dip our toe. Now, if it's evil, but it does have a net benefit, can we really say that it's evil? Uh, you know, wow. Um, that yeah. is hysterical. Anyway, uh, no, I, I to mean, mean, summarize. I use both Facebook and Google for the record. So, you know, I yeah, say all that. It's-, it's just more. It's like the perception is it's so funny how different people you know, talk about these platforms. Yeah,
1: it's one of those things where I think if you boycotted everything that you disagreed with, like you would probably be living in the woods at this point. Um, And it's it's the world's highly
0: centralized now, dude. It's all. Yeah. Like that whole like, oh no, the but the credit check, you know, like if you were applied for a mortgage, you got to give them a lot of information. Like there's, there's things that just like to get a car loan, like you have to submit a, a credit check in a lot of cases, unless you have like a briefcase of cash. And if you do like everything is all, that sends up
1: more red flags, right?
0: Like even to register to vote, you put information in that ends up being this public record. You start getting all this extra spam mail, all these phone calls, all this bullshit, like it's it's hard to engage with the world and keep it all completely tight, it, it, even in you know non crypto like financial things. Yeah, I think it, to
1: summarize my soapbox of of angrily yelling at the coin market cap top ten. Damn it! <laughs> um, I think that that my answer to your question about what does this all mean. I think it means that we're early. I think it means that the things that are happening right now in speculative crypto world are are founded in headlines about uh, things that are so inconsequential to the reality and the long term of where this stuff is going and i think that um it's just really a sign that like we're early (laughs) i don't know it's it's uh, one of those things that's it's, I mean, it's it's tough to see it when you're in it, um, to see what looks to be confusing and sh- things that shouldn't happen happening. But, um, you know, when yeah. some of the more interesting DeFi protocol tokens like don't even make the top 20, 30. Yeah, how on the come list? Like,
0: like DAI is 31, Filecoin is 29, FTX is 28, Axie is 26, Phantom is 23. Um, like even Litecoin is eighteen, Polygon nineteen, Chainlink only fifteen, yep. um, Ave forty two, yeah Ave forty one, Ave forty two. That's like that's Maker sixty. Bananas. Yeah, we can go on, right? Um, uh. Yeah. Uh, now uh, there are a couple though that I am happy to see, like uh, Bitcoin SV not doing so hot these days, down to fifty five. I couldn't be more happy about that one. That's Craig Wright's Same. coin, right? Uh, yes, that is right. That guy is a douche nozzle deluxe. <laughs> um, I I don't know if I hate anyone in modern times as much as him. He's he's really terrible. He is the guy who has
1: sued multiple people for saying that he is not Satoshi Nakamoto. <laughs> um, and if if I had to take a guess, I would say that the person who I created Bitcoin anonymously might not go out of their way to, to then later sue people for... Just,
0: just move a, a token. Not. Dude, move a coin on one of the Genesis blocks and we got it, dude. It, this no. is like the easiest mystery to verify. I just don't understand how you can maintain... Like, how, this isn't like some Joseph Smith shit where you can just be like, God, the plates disappeared. Ah, I lost the keys. Well, then we don't fucking <laughs> believe you. The guy that made this thing wouldn't have just lost all the keys to all the original coins that he had. That's just that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, I, I I refuse to accept that. So, I, yeah, it's just, I digress. you know, narcissistic personality um, uh, disorders. Another one, Bitcoin Cash. That's at 21. That's a coin that I'm glad we don't ever talk about. We never should talk about. I wish it was lower. I can't believe it's still 21st. Uh, absolute garbage. Just a complete yeah. Bitcoin useless clone. Is it a different mining protocol? I guess so. You have to switch miners to to specifically Bitcoin Cash. So it is... Oh, yeah. God. This is the one that Kim.com was shilling... So sad, man. Uh Bitcoin Cash. Oh, Cash. Okay. Yeah. Used to. Yeah. Ah. I don't know. It's a crazy world. But it's exciting. Yeah, that's why I, I like focusing in our, our little Ethereum bubble, our Ethereum universe. Uh, it, it makes me quite happy. Um,
1: yeah. I think uh just I'm I'm here for for the excitement of crazy new things, not necessarily crazy new weird financial opportunities slash Ponzi schemes.
0: Yeah. I mean, as, as maybe a, a nice altruistic closer to that or something a little more positive, like one thing that I've been maybe struggling is a bit of a negative framing, but uh, trying to deal with on, on Twitter and related to the Axie world is now that we have so many users and and there's like so much adoption and money in the ecosystem, people sort of have flipped the script on us a little bit and said, "Well, now that you've done this, you're not a game anymore. You're a launched thing, and now you got to just keep people's investments safe. You got to just help people earn. Everybody should be able to earn. Like people don't like that we moved the MMR minimum to 800 instead of 0 to start earning. So, now you have to actually be like above a certain threshold." Because uh, that's where all the bots were. They were just playing at like the zero MMR level and just getting that little tiny bit. But because it's automated, it's still kind of efficient at scale, all this kind of stuff. Yep. It's almost um, like mining but like it it has to be a game first because that's part of what gives the ecosystem value and the play to earn part is really cool and it's amazing and investments are a big part of the game and the ecosystem but um it's it's not UBI first you know like we might be able to scale to this awesome like kind of universal basic income but not exactly it's like sort of through gaming and it's it's a different vehicle it can be a form of earning but it's got to be through a vehicle of gameplay, and at the end of the day, it's rewarding people for participating in the ecosystem. The participation we need in a competitive game are people that want to play competitively, and saying you need to be above the you know the bottom ten percent to start earning, I, I think that's that's like in line with the sort of incentive structure that makes the ecosystem valuable. Um, yeah, I I also I mean it's one of those things where
1: I think people need to remember that this is an alpha. I think you not only deserve the right, but I would hope that at this point you're still experimenting. I don't think oh, yeah. an alpha is meant to be set in stone in really any capacity. Um, I I recognize that like when money's on the line, uh, emotions are gonna be higher than in other fields, but I think you are, uh, what you're saying about this being a game first is kind of the important thing here, and I think if you have too much money in this game to the point where the any any sort of like meta change would affect your portfolio in such a way that you'd be upset, mm-hmm. sounds like you have too much money in this game.
0: Yeah. Um, so I, well, I think, and it know, speaks we, to how early we are. You know, it truly yeah. is an alpha just in terms of percentage universe deployed. If only ten of it, ten percent of it is out there. It's like things are going to change even if we intend to keep things as consistent as possible. Just adding stuff to the universe means change that changes the value of things in the market. You know, even outside of just like gameplay nerfs or buffs or independent metas, like you launch land and maybe plant axes can do something on the grass and water axes can do something in the water or something like all our aquas rather all of a sudden, like there's just a change in perceived value in the marketplace and that that has ripple effects. Um, so I, I, I say that kind of to echo the point you made before that we really are early with this stuff and the stuff that excites me are building these new tools. And, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm becoming more and more of an Ethereum bull every day. And that's weird to say because, you know, my company has a side chain, but our, you know, the bridge to our side chain is still one of the biggest gas burners on Ethereum. So as it always goes back to like, we're ETH bulls, baby. We're an ETH clone, so uh, we're ETH gals. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down yep. to. Uh, I'm a believer. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, it's all part of the same ecosystem, right? I think. Uh, I think this the 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 Ronin side chain, while it may be its own island, it is very much has a strong port between the, yeah. the
0: mainland Ethereum. Yeah, our main bridge is uh, is right that way. Absolutely, you know we got we got a little connector over to Binance. No connectors to Polygon yet, but you know maybe you can move move around there from Ethereum to Polygon. There's probably a you know a peg token over there somewhere. But uh, make, make sure you set up shop down at uh, old Cardano,
1: old Charles Hoskins. Yeah, I mean, ranch. let me know, man. If maybe. I can
0: write some code, that'd be cool, baby. If we could deploy something, that'd be fucking groovy, bud. Set it I'm up. Good. No, it's it's weird. I. Uh, <laughs> I think the last thing I want to round this up by saying, Kevin, um, marketing does matter. I think that's the other takeaway here. Like legitimately, um, human psychology is a strangely predictable thing, um, with all markets, whether it's NFTs, stocks, crypto, any market that involves like trading and human psychology, it is baked in there. And these age old uh, ways of reading the market with, you know, like the resistance and the support and these different lines, um, it, it's not just math. It's putting numbers to human psychology and predicting what humans will do. And there's bots that are that are playing this. And it's sort of this uh, self-fulfilling prophecy at a certain point. Um, and it reinforces a lot of our natural temptations. And a lot of that is baked into marketing. And Hoskinson is absolutely an amazing marketer. And as much as I love Vitalik and so many people do love him to the normies out there. He he's a tough read sometimes, you know. The, he, he goes accessible. deep sometimes in these podcasts. He's he's like, uh, I I I I don't want to say anything negative about Vitalik in that regard because I I really do appreciate his technical knowledge and his ability to really go deep on these these things, and I love it. I've listened to a ton of his content, and I think he's one of the the most brilliant minds of our generation. I truly mean that. But um, yeah, he's n- he's Outs- not. The outsiders don't have that same like they look at Hoskinson and I wanna be this guy. People yeah, don't look at Policy and go, guy. I wanna be this guy. People look at him and go, Yeah, he seems really smart. Uh, cool. Yeah. I, I've <laughs> tuned out two minutes in. So um it's it's hard. Like that that marketing is and it's the same with these kind of doggy coins, right? There's some level of like Dogs are cute, man. We can see it even in Axie. There's a mouth part called Cute Bunny. It's very strong right now, but there's a whole theory that, do you know that rapper Bad Bunny? I just tweeted about him. He's very popular in South America. He raps in Spanish, so I'm not surprised. Very, very popular though. People think that, cute bunny started getting popular because people were buying it all things equal because it matched bad bunny, like just bunny <laughs> bunny. Like that's not even connected. It's just like uh, you look at the trends and like cute bunny is way more popular in the Spanish speaking audience than it is in all of the other Axie communities. So you, you tell me why that is right. That's the only conclusion we got. Marketing fucking matters and human yeah. psychology is a weird beast. And, um, I think you and I are both surprised all the time, but we need to remind ourselves not to underestimate it, man. Yep. temptation yeah, is real. The season of doggy coin. I mean, look Whether at tether. We like it or not, you know, why is tether the most popular stable coin? They they. They have marketing that has been successful. I think it's getting worse and worse, but they read the room right at the very beginning. We all remember the promise that was just deleted, just like the do no evil. It's backed by one real dollar. At the beginning, that was like a whoa. Okay, finally, like something I can believe in. This is a stable, stable coin. This is great. And then they knew it was like the Facebook thing. No ads at first, just get people to love it. And then we're slowly going to add ads. And then once we know people are hooked and they can't get off because there's a network effect, we blast them with so many ads that they don't know what to do about it so many ads they don't even know they're looking at ads tether did the exact same psychology they started you at one-to-one and they just slowly trickle it down until it was like zero plus random financial papers or whatever the thing was so yeah uh anyway i digress Um, yeah that's a good one to leave it on (laughs) yeah thanks buddy Thanks, buddy. It's always a pleasure. We'll be back not next week, but the one after that. Never financial advice here, but hopefully you've been enjoying these crypto chats and um, find us on YouTube as well as the audio only. We're on Google. We're on Apple. If you find us there, leave a comment, leave a, a review. We'd love it. It's a great way to help more people find the podcast. We love you and we'll see you next time.